From beautiful downtown Milheim, in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, a podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode 10, Lockhaven, the biggest town without a brewery. I had a chance recently to get another OG beer bar interview with new owner Sean Dale and veteran bar manager Shane McCaslin at the Old Corner Grill and Bottle Shop in Lockhaven. But I also was able to set up an interview with Nick Haralchek, who owns the Broken Axe Brew House, only three blocks away. And when I stopped at the Texas lunch and had one of the very best Texas hots I've ever had, I knew the next episode had to be Lockhaven. If you're wondering, really? Lockhaven? Well, buckle up, because if the schedule Kathy and I worked out over the past two weeks holds up, by the end of the year, we'll be visiting much smaller towns than Lockhaven, even smaller than Milheim. But you should never judge a central PA town by what you think you might know about it. Lockhaven has a state university, an important aviation museum, and, like quite a few central PA towns, a thriving Main Street commercial scene. And again, like a lot of other central PA towns, Go less than a mile out of town, and you're in the country, the hills, the woods, which is exactly why a lot of us live here. The mountains are calling, and we must go. In the town, even though Lockhaven doesn't have a brewery, and we'll talk about that, it does have some outstanding food, a handful of great bars you can easily walk to on an afternoon, and yes, a coffee roaster, which seems to be part of the Central Pennsylvania Downtown Revival Assembly Kit these days, and hooray for that. So we'll have a look at some of the cool things to eat and drink in Lockhaven, and talk to these OG beer bar folks. But first, here's what I'm drinking today. Today, I'm drinking a new barrel-proof release of Bernheim Original Wheat Whiskey from Heaven Hill. This is batch A223 at 118.8 proof. If you're not familiar with Bernheim, well, think of the definition for bourbon. One of the primary requirements is that it's 51% corn, and the rest is usually a small amount of malt, and then either rye or less often wheat. Well, Bernheim flips that. It's 51% soft winter wheat, 37% corn, and 12% malt. Everything else, sour mash ferment, distillation, barrel aging, is done just like bourbon. The result? Well, let's have a taste and find out. I can tell you from the aroma that... (laughs) This stuff has been pushing out of the out of the glass ever since I poured it a couple minutes ago, and it oh wow this is <laughs> I love this about a, a a good whiskey and I find it to be particularly true with Heaven Hill. This smells like being in a warehouse, a whiskey warehouse. There's that smell of oak, but in this case, it's not a smell of corn. What I'm smelling here is a um, a sweeter, more floral note from the wheat. When wheat ferments, it yields a, a slightly um, citrus kind of kind of aroma, mm, and that is just really nice. Let's have a sip. Now I won't lie; the hundred eighteen point eight proof is is authoritative, but it's. I mean, you didn't hear me cough, did you? The flavor is not as sweet as the nose, which is good because that would have been too much. The flavor is actually kind of nicely dry. Mm. But there is that little note of, of violets, uh, flowers. It's really interesting and, and tasty and, and good, like a like one of those pastilles, the little hard candies. Mm. Oh, and it's got a great finish. It just, it wraps up your mouth in this 
warm cereal and oak that just bores on through and keeps breathing. Every time I'm taking a breath, I'm, I'm tasting that over again. Really gets in the hole, back of the nose and the throat. Mm. Sorry, this is usually more than I drink uh, on one of these. I, uh, I can't stop with this one. It's not just exceptionally tasty. At 118.8 proof, it is absolutely inviting. Mm. I am going to have to revisit that. Ah, back to Lockhaven. My adult experience with Lockhaven hangs on two events. The first was meeting a guy called Charlie Snyder at the late Great Schnitzel's Tavern in Belfond over 20 years ago. I stopped in for a quiet lunch and a beer. Charlie was sitting at the bar, and with the affability I've come to treasure as we continued to bump into each other over the years since then, he struck up a conversation by asking me, Have you ever had a Hefeweizen? That's what I'm having. They're quite good. Well, we got to talking, and I learned that Charlie lived in Lockhaven, and when he wanted some beer variety, he'd travel over the ridges, to Belfont, to State College, sometimes Harrisburg, and sometimes all the way to Germany. But his local, where he found good beer every day, was the old corner. So when the family vacationed at a rental cabin in the woods up near Haneyville, a week that was fraught with visits by bears and the ever-excitable whiskey historian Sam Kumlenick, I took the opportunity to visit Lockhaven. I dropped my bike off to be repaired at the bike gallery. I'd split a tire riding the Pine Creek Trail. And while that was being done, I walked over to the old corner. It was the first time I ever saw Otto's Pub beer outside Otto's. So I had a pint of Red Mo and looked around. The old corner is a corner bar, but much of the rest of the block is no longer there. It's a remnant, a survivor, a row house without the row. But I'll tell you, once you're inside, you'll feel whole in a way that only a good corner bar can make you feel. I was welcome. I was one of them by the time I ordered my second beer. Here's the old corner interview with new owner Sean Dale and longtime manager Shane McCaslin. They went to high school together. We did it in the bar as the lunch crowd came in. So you get the feel of the place. Conversational, friendly, the classic corner bar. So hey, I'm at the old corner in Lock Haven with uh, Sean Dale and Shane McCaslin. Hey guys. How you doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, Things are, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's a little after 11, you already get people in there. That's great. Lunch crowd has been very good for us um, throughout the years, so. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've eaten at that bar. I've, I've been coming here for longer than I've been in living in this area. Um, I think I might have come up here the first time in, wow, maybe like 94, 95. You were known at then. You you came, you you, you bought it fairly recently. Is that right? I did. I, I bought the old corner in. No, I'm sorry, that's Sean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I ahead. bought the old corner in July of 22, so just about seven months ago, yeah. eight months ago. Um. The community has been very great on, you know, receptive of me purchasing the place because uh, Mr. Powers owned it for 26 years. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that uh, I got going for me is I'm a Lock Haven native. Yeah, you grew up here and then you moved to... Born and raised, graduated Lock Haven High School in 1995, moved to Arizona, um, did various things. I purchased my first restaurant, though, uh, when I was 18 years old. Wow. Ran it for about five years, and I sold it off. Once I sold it, I got into corporate America. But your your family was in the restaurant business, is that right? My mom and dad, yes. They uh, years ago, they used to own the Whippoorwill Restaurant out over six sixty four. Okay, uh, that burnt in nineteen eighty four. 
I was just a young kid when it burnt, but I, I remember it distinctly. That's hard. And, you know, my dad's always been a cook. My mom's been in the restaurant business, you know, as a partner with my dad right alongside him. So, you know, I get a lot of the culinary background from my parents uh, and then my business background as sure. well. Um, so it's been it's been a great journey for me, you know, throughout my career, throughout my years. And, and yet here you are back at, I mean, what... If you haven't been to the old corner, this is a classic corner bar. It is. It's. I remember it as a kid growing up. Um, I unfortunately I didn't have a chance to partake in the <laughs> in the bar because I left in '95. But I was gone for 27 years, and I believe 21 of them years is what I can come to that I came back to go hunting. So oh, wow. when I would okay. come back to the area, this is where you know I would come. Obviously, Shane and I have been, we grew up together. He's two years older than I am. So uh, we ran around as kids. We, you know, played all the games and stuff, sports and all that kind of stuff. So And, well, and he would quite literally come come here not just for this place, but to see me as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you're, you've been working here for a while, right? Um, yeah. Uh, here in a few weeks will be 23 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and started out doing what? Um, well, I started out. Uh, prepping in the kitchen and okay. quickly I was cooking and bar backing and bartending. <laughs> it I works mean, it that was, way pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, it, yeah. It just the timing worked out perfectly for me. We had a uh, bartender that, that moved away and and it was like, hey, there's a spot open. And I jumped in and was working, I think, one day a week. I was working seven days a week, some weeks. Wow. But I was working behind the bar one day and then it jumped to two and then eventually I was no longer in the kitchen, just in the bar. Uh-huh. You have a forestry degree though, right? I do have oh a forestry gosh. degree. I actually took the job here to help pay my way. I was I was a, already a non-traditional student. I was in my early to mid twenties and, um, and needed work, so I took a job here to help pay my way through college and okay. got my degree. I'm still here. We don't get college students. I was going to ask about so, that. Yeah, uh, I love. I mean, I love the college students as well, but I love that they don't come in here as well. <laughs> I mean, and the reason I say that is, is you know, this is a blue collar bar. Yeah, you know, and you got your professors, you got your lawyers, your doctors, you know, your people that are just your hometown people, this is where they come to. You know, and it's nice not to, and they're, they're able to come in and enjoy themselves and be themselves without running into right. the younger generation. Well, which, and we do get some of those folks who don't want to be, this is not a party atmosphere bar, yeah. and there are some of those kids that don't want to deal with that, and they do come here. And Our, our typical generation is 28, 29-year-olds to hundred yeah right. you know so <clears throat> we get a great diverse group of, of people clientele in here but for the most part it's it's your blue collar just like i am just like you are yeah you know workers that come in after our day of work and want want something to drink something right. To eat, something. right someplace to sit and talk yeah, yeah. The, the old corner i mean I, I remember when i was coming here in the 90s there was not a lot of other places to go that had some kind of craft beer or imports. And I remember coming up here and getting a 12 pack of, uh, what was it? I want to say Francis Gunner, Vice Beer, in the bottle shop. And I was like, wow, Lock Haven, cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, when do you have, do you know when that started or why it started or what that he, that started getting back. stuff like that? Well, yeah. Well, because there was an interest in it. And then I remember, like myself personally, you'd go anywhere and you could get your, Anheuser-Busch stuff, and, and actually at the time, Yingling was not far-reaching. Right. You get a, you could get it in town here in Lock Haven, but if you went even to State College at the time, it was hard to find. And if you went beyond that to, say, Altoona, you couldn't find it at all. 
And it was a different beer. It was, a, you know, like a an, an amber lager. That right. It wasn't a lot of that going on. And I liked that it was different. I liked that it tasted different. And I, you know, so did other people. And they found that there were other poss- possibilities out there. And I think Donnie sought that out. And I remember, like, in the early days with, like, like Pete's Wicked Ale. Oh, yeah. And, like, Anchor Steam. Oh, that is early days. Listen, they, the history of the hops have come leaps and bounds since oh, yeah. the original you know i remember growing up watching my parents old milwaukee genesee you know there was no dark beer right yeah. you know you get the occasional like shane said the lager when i turned 21 the hops industry really started their craft beers and i used to drink a lot of ipas and hefeweizens and wheat beers and stuff like yeah, that i think we came along pretty good at time to turn 21 that was one of all like that, yeah. that time periods yeah i mean when we first graduated, well, in 95, the internet was just starting to make a... Sure. You know, yeah. so the advancements you've seen there is the same way in the hops industry, you know. And um, one of my previous jobs, I had a chance to be up in Washington, Oregon, and I actually <laughs> toured a hops farm, which uh-huh. was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, and now I don't even drink craft beer. It's weird how your, the history, you know, I, I don't know, my palate goes a more of a whiskey connoisseur now. Uh, and, okay. You know, I'll drink a nice vodka, you know, things like that before I turn to the craft beer anymore. I'm still a beer and whiskey guy. (laughs) Shane and I has had a lot of conversation here recently on, you know, Pennsylvania specific beers, you know, and we've been working with our distributors to get Pennsylvania beers. So we always have a tap handle, you know, or a couple of them with Pennsylvania beers. Now, Nick over the Broken Axe does a great job, you know, and it's awesome and I still have that niche market as well because his clientele is a little different than my clientele. Yep. So, but there's a lot of carryover too. But I'm sure but there, there's you know specific people. Yes, his specific, you know. But when you come into the old corner, you know your craft beers are you know a Broken Heels by New Trail or a Southern Tier or a Dogfish IPA. The old corner was the first place I ever saw an Otto's beer other than an Otto's. I walked in and there was a. Or that might have been the first time I came in. Actually, there was a red mo on. I'm like, well, holy shit! Look at that! Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, we'll sit down and have a couple. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we still have that in the can back there, and, oh, yeah? and, and the apricot weed. Yeah, apricot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. What kind of changes have you seen in the customers over the years? Like what they drink, who they are. Honestly, I, I, there are some folks that have been coming in since since my beginning and they're the same guy drinking the same thing. And then you have the, the guy that, that he switched a couple times a year, every year since, you know, and they, and then I, I have the folks that go full circle that come in and they'll sip on a, like a pale ale or something. And then we're vodka drinkers for a while. And you now here we are 20 years later and they're, there they are sipping on a pale ale. again. <laughs> the, the, the nice thing about craft beers is, it's seasonal. It follows your yeah. seasons. So yeah. we, we tend to put things on, you know, for your winter, for your spring, your summer, things like that. And that really drives a lot of what people drink, especially your craft beer guys, because, yep. you know, they'll drink Broken Heels for three or four months. And then all of a sudden, you know, in, in the summertime, they're drinking a wine and coolers, you know, something yep. like that. So, you know, I, I haven't had the bar that long, but I can already see, you know, from summertime to wintertime, the switch and what people drink. Yeah. And then we do have the guys, like Shane said, that they've been drinking Miller Lite their whole life, and they come in and they drink a Miller Lite, and that's it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is, I mean, that's fine, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, something that I, I haven't discussed with Shane, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it out here on this. <laughs> no oh, here we go. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Um, <laughs> I alluded to earlier that I love whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm trying to come up with an idea, and I'm going to enlist Shane's help here pretty soon. How do we come up with a nice whiskey list? You know, nice whiskey selection. Do I do some sort of whiskey club or whiskey something where we feature different bottles or um, brands or something each month, something like that? Well, you know, your friendly neighborhood whiskey writer is always available for consultation. Well, we'll be be, be Ah. tapping Ah. into your knowledge here soon. Feel free. But, I mean, along with whiskey, I want to launch some sort of wine uh, list for this summer as well. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Getting back to Lock Haven. I mean, it's a good-sized town, but it's not a huge place. You've got, um, and we already touched on this, there's another there's another beer bar in town. It's only three blocks away. Do you guys, like, I mean, are you essentially going for different clientele? Do you coordinate at all? Do you just, or is it just? Some of both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, we just walking into each place, you can tell that there's, a, there's, there's yeah. some differences, but there's some similarities. And like I said, you will see somebody on a Thursday night here and you know i can stop over to see nick and that person's over there and and it's it's there's a bunch of carryover but there's also you know our menus are different Mm -hmm. our 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 drinking options are different it's 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 nice that we both have the you know it's like shane said we'll we'll see a patron having dinner at nick's or even at chris darwin's or wherever you know main street or whatever but they come over here for their nightcaps and and to continue their festivities, you know, on the bar side. So, you know, the atmosphere is great at all locations. Um, Nick and I do a lot of coordinating. He helped me put in my tap system. Very, very good friend of mine, you know. And He said, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm thankful to have that relationship with him. So I look forward to hopefully partnering, doing different things with, you know, other local businesses as well. Now, there there was one thing that, I don't know, I didn't. I guess it, I can't say it puzzled me because I just thought of it recently. I realized it when I was going through uh, setting up for the podcast. Lockhaven is the biggest town in central Pennsylvania that doesn't have a brewery. What? How'd that happen? It's just. It is a bit of an anomaly. Okay. Because there's, there's there's a lot of beer drinkers and beer lovers here. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I I was thinking about that recently as well. I, I, there are people that that are doing stuff in their garage and things like that. I just I, I don't know how it hasn't. Yeah, Nick said he knew a couple of people who were thinking about it, but yeah. well, I believe at one time he was even considering. He it. seemed to have been, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the water. We need good water. Okay, <laughs> but it's not. I mean, it's not anything like the town doesn't want it. Or no, it just not, hasn't not to my knowledge. It okay. just hasn't happened. Uh, to Shane's point, I've known a few people as well that you know myself and my previous businesses that I was in. We were thinking about putting a brewery in Lockhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Straub is. That's been on the. Really? Yeah, Straub has been talking about that for years, and wow. I don't know wherever that ended up either. Well, the city was incorporated in 1870, so of Lock oh, Haven, okay. and then this building was built in 1871. So a year in the incorporation, and that's you know that's one of the things we talked about city council meetings. You know, I I own a landmark. Yeah. In Lock Haven. Yeah. You know. The, the sign above the door says 1877, but that's when I believe this section was established. Okay. The building was actually built in 1871. Uh, where the parking lot is um, beside us, there was 
identical buildings. Okay. Um, they were tore down, and this is the last thing that stands. Yeah, yeah. It really does kind of stand there by itself. So speaking the cool brewer- speaking the breweries um, in Lock Haven, I I'll, I can actually send you some history on this place, but. In one of the adjacent buildings connected to this was Steam Brewing Company. Oh, there was a okay, right? There was. It was yeah, Steam Modeling Company one. and okay. everything. And um, it, it was it was quite interesting to read the history on this. My mother in law did it for me for Christmas. Oh, nice! It's it's an amazing read. It really is. Right behind us is the bottle shop. Hmm? Um, is that? I mean, is it the same kind of beer? Is it a different kind of beer? Is it all kinds of beer? What's so What's there? What you see in the bottle shop is is yes, every pretty much everything we um, have on tap you okay. can get in can or bottle. Okay. Um, whether it's behind the bar or in the bottle shop. Now, Pennsylvania liquor laws and beer laws have changed, so now you can buy beer at Sheets. You can right. buy beer at Weiss, you know, your grocery stores, things like that. So although and, my t- and you can buy six packs at a distributor. Correct. Yeah. So although the bottle shop still does quite well, it's not my main focus anymore. Okay. You know, what I would like to do with that bottle shop is shorten it up a little bit and then encroach my bar into the bottle shop and move oh, my kitchen. Sure. So that's my way to expand. Yeah, I'll keep maybe six or seven doors worth of beer, but yeah. I don't need to have 12 people. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because that's exactly what you just hit the nail on the head is convenience. They yeah. come in here, pick up their Italian, get a six-pack. They get their dinner, they get a six-pack or a 12-pack. Too. Yep. So. That's much different than 10 years ago when or 15 years ago. You were forced to come here. Yeah, you know, we have people that made a special trip here. You know, how do we grow the business? How do we make the old corn what it used to be back in the fifties, back in the sixties, back in the seventies, and you and know. and keep it relevant and new too? Right. Yeah. There's not a straight wall in this building, so I don't, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a square angle anywhere in this town. You know this. This building has been through many floods. Yes. Yeah. You know the floor joists are warped, but. What are you going to do about that? That's the nostalgic. That's the history of this building, right? You know, so it's been a challenge to find things, you know, that I want to put in here and look that I want just because I want to keep the historic. Yeah. I don't want to say historic, but I want to keep that old look, the, the feel. old feel. Yeah. So, so. Okay. I um, thank you. And uh, I'm probably going to have a beer. Absolutely. All right. We, we have those here. <laughs> that's what I hear. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. know if you noticed but sean referred to craft brewing as the hops industry i had to chuckle at how appropriate that's become i had to trim the interview a bit for time and one of the things that didn't make it was sean telling about how an outdoor program that started during the pandemic has been continued this year from memorial day to labor day on fridays and saturdays a half block of grove street beside the old corner will be shut down for outdoor dining and entertainment check their facebook page for the schedule There's another little silver lining to the pandemic. There's been a real revival of outdoor dining. Now, like the time I got my bike fixed, I wandered around town again after I got the interview with Sean and Shane. Well, okay, I made a beeline to the Texas lunch because I'm putting together an episode on this century-old phenomenon. The Texas Hot, also known as a Coney Island. And in Plattsburgh, New York, where there are at least seven places that serve them, it's called a Michigan. And in Lockhaven, at the Texas... Folks call it a growler. You probably know what it is. In general terms, it's a grilled hot dog on a roll with a blanket of spiced meat sauce, mustard, and a snowy topping of finely diced onion. It's not a chili dog, but we'll get into all of that when I do the Texas Hot episode. I'll tell you right now, 
I got opinions on this. Right now, I'm just going to tell you that the growler at the Texas lunch was superb, killer, on point, 100, PFG. The other wiener joints in the state are going to have a high bar to beat. Also, the fresh cut fries I got with it were exactly the way I like them. Piping hot from the fryer, obviously done in fresh oil, lightly salted, and not so long done that they'd turned into tasteless puffs of crispy starch. I know some folks like crispy fries, and sometimes I do too, but what I really like is to taste the potato, and these were made with some really good spuds. Full marks on a lunch that cost less than six bucks. There was even a bonus. I got to talking to the guy next to me, a local farmer, who asked if I knew about Prince Farrington. I do, and at some point, there is going to have to be an episode following the floppy footsteps of Central Pennsylvania's Prince of the Bootleggers. Thanks for the reminder, sir. I had two more stops I wanted to make. I walked down to Leo's Italian and Specialty Foods, which had been heartily endorsed by the Foodies of State College Facebook group. They sure were right. Leo's isn't long on atmosphere. It's basically a dark, lengthy room with some tables, but the bustling kitchen and merch spot in the back more than makes up for that. There's pasta and sauces and Italian drinks and snacks, a deli counter with a bunch of tempting, delicious made salads and meats and cheeses, and then there's the menu. Sandwiches, salads, and Italian desserts, and all the breads, rolls, pastas, and salads are made right there, in-house. I had told Kathy I'd bring home lunch. I had a hard time making a choice, but I finally settled on the porchetta sandwich. Thinly sliced spiced pork, roasted red peppers, sharp provolone and mayo on a toasted roll. And that provolone was proper stuff, with a real bite to it. It was hard smelling that all the way home. Except, of course, I didn't go straight home. I stopped at that other stop I mentioned, Kurt's Smokin' Ribs. Now, Kurt's is technically in Mill Hall, but it's only a seven-minute drive from Lock Haven, and I like it, so you're getting it. Kurt Kander and John Purnell have run this place since the fall of 2006, smoking ribs, brisket, chicken, pulled pork, and hot sausage over oak in big outdoor pits. I've got some drool-inducing pictures on Instagram for you. We've enjoyed the barbecue many times. It's proper stuff. But Kurt's also has pizza. Some really good pizza. John's been making pizza around here, on and off, he says, since 1978. It's done in a wood-fired oven with a natural gas assist to keep the temperature at 550 degrees all the time. There are what you'd call normal pizzas, and yes, there are pies that feature the smoked meats, too, and they are marvelous. They make their own barbecue sauce in-house. They even smoke their own fresh jalapenos for chipotles, which impressed the hell out of me. Coleslaw, mac and cheese, potato salad, all made here. They do some nice fried seafood, too. Like the Texas lunch, we'll be back to Kurt's when I do the big barbecue episode, probably sometime this summer. I had to go back to Lock Haven for the Broken Axe interview the next day, and this time I went early and had breakfast at the new train station in Castanilla. Another recommendation. I'll be honest with you. Place doesn't look like much from the outside. It's an older building with a gravel and dirt parking lot. But when the waitress set my blueberry pancake down in front of me, I knew I'd come to the right place. Yes, pancake, because it was 12 inches across and stuffed with juicy blueberries. He doesn't know how to do small, the waitress told me about the cook with a deep chuckle. But I did learn from the last episode. I brought my own pure Pennsylvania maple syrup, and I made that pancake even better. I needed a bit more of a boost before the interview, and maybe something to ward off a pancake-induced stupor, so I nipped across town to Avenue 209, Lock Haven's coffee roaster. The comfortable surroundings made me feel right at home.
Avenue 209 had something that most coffee shops simply do not deliver. Choices. I don't get this. There are many deliciously different coffees, and then blends expand that almost infinitely, even without getting into decaf and flavored coffees. And because they offer single-cup pour-overs for a reasonable price, Jared offered me eight choices of bean. That's uniquely splendid. I got the Kenya Double A, the bean that first taught me that there really is a difference in good coffee. And this was good coffee. Avenue 209 also offers sandwiches and sweets and Otto's sodas. Then it was time for the Broken Axe interview. Charlie Snyder, the guy I introduced at the beginning of the episode, had put me in touch with Nick Haralchik, the owner of Lockhaven's other beer bar, and Nick was ready to go. It was blessedly quiet in the bar, and we had a good talk. Here we go. So I'm here with uh, Nick Haralchik at Broken Axe in Lockhaven. Good morning. Good morning, though. How are you? Pretty good, pretty oh, good. That's good. I've been here before, but it's been years and years. The place still looks... I, I can't get away from saying it. it looks cozy. I mean, it's got the dark wood. It's got the nice wooden. There's a lot of wood in this place. The whole broken axe thing. Is that? Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's purposeful. We tried to uh, make an atmosphere that, you know, was cozy, really trying to push towards that pub feel, you know, that real, you know, English old pub feel coming in. Uh, and the, the lumber side of it with the local history of the lumber and my family history from up in New York of lumber uh, going back generations. It just made sense to, to pay homage to that and try to, you know, give that feel. And then your family came to New York? My parents met at Albany State and, and then uh, Ike actually came down to Lock Haven for wrestling, for a uh, wrestling scholarship. Uh, I wondered how you yep. wound up in Lock Haven. Yep. Okay. Came here in, uh, in 2002, got into the, the bar business and slinging, slinging uh, drinks in about 2005. I've been here since. <laughs> what was it about Lock Haven that kept you here? I think the area, definitely just the outdoors, the PA wilds. I yeah. mean, I just, I mean, I just, every chance I can actually get out and do stuff, you know, and, and it just keeps getting a little bit better. Uh, you know, the rails to trails, all the extensions of that. And a few years into my, my bartending, I also happened to find my wife who's from here. So that was another thing that has kept me here pretty, pretty That'll solid. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got not a large university in town, but it's a it's a fairly good sized college, uh, Lock Haven University, where where you went. Yep. Um, do you get a lot of student trade here, or is it more staff and faculty? Uh, we are definitely leaning more on the staff and faculty side. I would say, as far as staff and faculty, you know, that's a, a good chunk of our like mug club that we have, okay. and our regulars. Um, you know, we do have some students to come in, but I would say it's kind of the Older, more professional students. This is not a uh, um, not a quarter draft bar, so they they tend to steer towards some of the some of those places a little bit more. So we're you know we're not getting the college rush really. Right. What you opened in 2015, 2016? 2015, Yep. People were already up to speed at that point, weren't they? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But um, you know the, the you know part of the reason going you know really focusing on beer. I mean, I was uh, you know home brewing and 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 really wanted to explore you know all the different styles of beer and move into that but can i actually just interrupt you there because yeah. reading your website the uh the story part really sounded like you were planning on opening a brewery and you get sidetracked what happened there yeah i mean i i actually uh currently have a ridiculous amount of equipment in storage uh you know it's that's always been the i promised myself uh when i when i had the uh when i had the time um and i could actually put enough energy to it to not have a to have a solid product and, and be able to put, put my effort towards it, that I would bite that off. But um, 
and, and honestly, in, in January 2020, I was actually looking at some warehouse space around here to maybe start working into it. And then, as we all know, something right. happened, and, and, and I realized <laughs> there was I should keep focusing on what I was doing because it's working. And, uh, <laughs> and it also got to the point, too, where I, I go back and forth visiting that. But um, when I run into people, uh, when I'm exposed to all of the different brewers in the area, and you know, I have people like, like our mutual friend, Tim Yarrington, and, so, and some of the other brewers in the area, I know that I have to keep my game pretty high, so uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to enjoy putting on their great beer, uh, and we'll we'll see when I get there. But I've got some work to do before I jump well, you know, jump in. In your copious free time, you could take Tim's course over at the college. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've actually had a couple of his students as as uh, as people who worked here. So nice. yeah. So I and I've tried to grill them for every piece of information that I haven't gotten from Tim over I the think years. The, the effect that that program has had on brewing in the area is underestimated. Oh yeah, I think it's, uh, and we're definitely seeing, um, you know, we're seeing a couple different uh, projects starting up. I won't, I probably know more than I should at this point, but I know there's a couple other places uh, that are um, working on some some startup stuff, and mm-hmm. I and there are people that I know very well, and I think are going to um, definitely put put a good product out. So it'll be interesting to see as as everything continues to expand. You know, I think the one thing that I'm excited about, and hopefully I maybe influence this a teeny bit, is in Lockhaven probably. 10, 15 years ago, we had a little bit of a craft beer desert right here. We had State College, we had Williamsport, but here we were a little, it was, it was a little, you know, a little soft as far as trying to find a lot of beer exposure. And it seems like with, you know, the way the market was going and hopefully with a little, little bit of my influence of kind of exposing the area, it's, it seems to really be nice that, that everybody is really, you know, open their portfolios up a little bit with really carrying a lot of different stuff. That was one of the things I was I was curious about because as far as I can tell, Lockhaven is the biggest town in central Pennsylvania that doesn't have a brewery. Why is that? You know, I I I don't know. It was it was starting starting off. It was interesting. We um, there's a kind of a split between people. You had people that enjoyed craft beer, but then you had then it, it's just nobody. Everybody was wasn't sure if there was enough of the demographic to really support it. Support it, yeah. and I think um and. And I had a lot of naysayers when I opened directly tell me that, you know, I don't think you're going to make it six months. Oh, like even a craft beer bar wouldn't yeah, make it. Yeah, so, you know, you can't make it unless you have bush light on. Uh, that was that was said to me many a times. I'll bet. Um, so, but, you know, here we are uh, seven, half, eight years later, you know, kicking along pretty well, uh, you know. And and I think, uh, so I think that's kind of opened up the... Uh, the idea wheel for some people realizing that the demographic is here. And it was always something I, I experienced before, and it's kind of nice to keep everybody in town, is that I would go to State College and I would go to Williamsport and I'd look around a bar, being a, a bartender that's been around, and I'd go, oh, there's 15, 20 people in here from Lockhaven that I know. They're just, <laughs> they're just traveling 30 miles to go get their beers. Right. Let's keep them in town. So that was something that, uh, you, know, um, you know, definitely was kind of a – you know, a hint and an idea. And I think that's, um, you know, shown, shown true that we can keep everybody enjoying this, the local atmosphere and staying, staying as local as possible. That kind of brings up something else I wanted to ask you about. I mean, I'm looking, we're sitting right beside your tap list. How do you do it? And with, I mean, the way craft beer enthusiasts are always just crazy about, you know, the, the hot new trendy beer from, I don't know, Michigan or Kansas or whatever. How do you keep minerals in Pennsylvania beer? You know, I mean, I I think one of the things that you know you obviously know is that the plethora of Pennsylvania breweries, you know, and it, and I just and I just thought the exposure wasn't there. You know, the the national brands were 
always, you know, on, on the beer shelves and being pushed by the, you know, the big three and, and stuff like that, where we had all these small breweries and it was just, it was just really a focus. But the process, um, it's interesting. You know, I worked through four different, four different distributors and then I have uh, a bunch of the uh, smaller breweries who self-distribute to me. I, I was going to ask that. It, yeah, you must be. Yeah. And it's, it's just slowly worked up to the point where, um, you know, I've gotten lucky to make some really good relationships, even places that don't do much distributing. They, they know I have a, a good clientele of people that like exploring and we, and, and we love people, you know, get a taste here and then go, Oh, where's this brewery? Go check it out. Nice. And so we have a lot of that back and forth where I get a chance to, and when, we, when I get a chance to sneak away, I go and explore. So it's kind of become a little, little niche for some of those people to, uh, you know, basically say, well, I don't do much distributing. Most of the stuff is in, in house, but some of these smaller shippers go, well, for you, I, maybe we'll, we'll sneak something there. And so, okay. you know, I have, uh, they'll do all the paperwork and get me up something. Uh, you know, I, even, um, even locally in Mill Hall, there's a floating feathers open. Oh, yeah. I, I just put on today one of his beers. I've known, I've known Lee for a little while, but just knowing different people, bar from Ripstein's, uh, you know, um, just getting that, that relationship where every once in a while, Bart will, have something that he's going to tap and and he'll be like oh, i'm just going to tap this in house and then and then he'll be like well maybe i can let one one six stool go and, <laughs> and, and and a lot of times uh you know uh i might get that phone call and and he'll have something uh something a little special to tease the people in lock haven to sneak up and visit him so it, it, it's That's a good plan yeah it's kind of it, so far it seems to be working out where it's a real try to do a very symbiotic relationship between between a lot of the small breweries around the area it's been a lot of fun, but it's uh, it's also interesting too. You know, it's a it's a challenge trying to keep really a well-rounded list. You know, with the with the trends, with the production styles that people do. Well, and that was actually something I wanted to ask you about. The, the, you like you said, you've been open seven and a half, eight years. How have you seen tastes change? What people want? You know, we have trendy things that that pop in and out. Obviously, the New Englands have been um, hot everywhere. The hazy IPA, yeah, the hazy yeah. IPA, yeah. and but you know one of my focuses at, is really not getting swept up by a trend in the sense of still trying to have a tasting board that's across the you know the palate range. I find that if if you pay homage to just a, a good classic style done well, you know, and then we have all these. I don't mind, and I enjoy sometimes some of the wild pastry beers and the wild fruit sours. I think they're really nice. But also making sure that I have a classic, um, you know, classic brown, something that everybody can really enjoy and kind of really focus on the whole list. And I, and I assume the, the, the clientele support that? Yeah. See, I, you know, it seems like it's, it's you know, you have your, your traditionalists that really like those uh, solid traditional ales. And then you have people that like to be more adventurous. I'm kind of all over the place myself. Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, I want to taste something interesting and see what it is. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not for my palate. Sometimes it isn't. Um, one of the things I really try to focus on or, or at least remind myself is that my palate's not everyone else's palate. So, yeah. you know, I you know, obviously if there's a beer with an off flavor and a classic off flavor and brewing or something like that, I can definitely take that out with the other styles. You know, the plethora of tastes, and I also have the advantage, I guess, or I never was a hardened hophead. Okay. I enjoy, I definitely enjoy some of the New Englands, the Brutes that have come out, um, and a nice, nice balanced pale ale. But as far as hop exposure, 
an ESB would probably be my Ooh. my my perfectly hopped beer. <laughs> and when you get really into the overly hopped West Coast, I it's just too bitter on my palate, and I just it it just doesn't do it for me. But I also know there are customers that will love that. But you won't find an entire board full of IPAs, which you will find some places else. I kind of, and it also lets me to bring the IPAs in and move them, keep them fresh, where I just have three or four or five out of the 35 beers are IPAs and then pay homage to all the rest of the styles. I can't help but think that, you know, when everyone else is serving, what, three out of four beers is an IPA, there's people out there that want something else and they're going to find you. Yeah, and I think still, um, you know, and even in this area, you talked about Zenos and the beer education and stuff like that. Um, and that's always been our thing of exposing people to craft beer, but trying to expose the whole gamut. And, and the amount of times um, I've strangely heard from somebody, this is a new experience from that will say, well, oh, I, don't, I don't like that craft beer. I don't like all that hoppy stuff. And they put one and they, they, they put the two together and it just it's just I take a deep breath and then I then I try to say, well, let's try. Let me let me let me. And then I, and then that gives me an option to show them and expose them to just all the different gambits, you know, and we start, and that's when I start going, all right, I'm going to have fun with this. And I start flinging a bunch of different samples at them and go like, well, what kind of things do you like? You know, they give me a little hint and I go, just go in a direction and see where I can go. And most of the time you can find something on the board that they go, oh, I, did, I didn't realize there was craft beer that tasted like this. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, that's kind of a fun little, you know, every time that happens, I'm like, oh, this is a challenge and I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. It kind of makes your day, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked about how things are. We've talked about how you get started. What does the future look like? What does the future look like for, I don't know, craft beer in Lock Haven and here at Broken Axe? You know, I, I think we're moving forward pretty well, and we have a nice – trends feel, feel good. You know, this has been a, after 2020 and 2021. You know, it was interesting to see definitely the, the trends change a little bit where – we, we definitely have a lot more pub fare uh, and food moving out than we ever did. Mm. And we've kind of, um, we're kind of just evolving with that and, and moving forward. There always will be a focus on the beer and a focus on pairing that beer with nice food. And I think moving forward, Lockhaven and the area, I just sat down for a meeting about a, a grain and wines trail that we're work putting together. Nice. Um, I see some other uh, brew options opening up. And I think just with being what I consider to be the, you know, Lock Haven, the gateway to the PA Wilds, I think there's always, um, you know, as we continue to move forward, a huge opportunity for people who are visiting this area, doing the rails to trails, the river events, and everything else that I think, you know, I think there really is a niche opportunity for for that getaway place that we will always be a nice homey option for. Well, and, and Lock Haven has such a I don't want to say classic, it's an overused word, but that a, a real Main Street feel to it. Uh, every time I come here, I find myself thinking, why don't I come here more often? No, and I think uh, I think we've. It's really been nice to see that grow and reestablish, you know, over the years, and and really a lot of a lot of people putting a lot of hard work into reestablishing. You know, there's been ups and downs, but really, right now, we, we I've found we're in a great place where our small shops in downtown have really, really anchored really well, and we have some that have you know, the clothing stores and some of the stuff that um, are really doing some great stuff to anchor us so that we have that walking shop situation so people can walk around, do their shopping. You know, if they're here for a weekend, check out all the little shops and then stop. And we have a bunch of nice little eateries. And we do have, um, you know, it's something that, that we, 
you know, pride yourself myself on is the the networking of the small restaurants uh, in town. And I think that, you know, that's just really a nice, nice thing. I've, I have some, you know, really close friends around town between the, you know, the old corner, the village tavern, Main Street, Hangar 9, Dutch Haven. Um, all of these people are pretty close friends. So we really have a tight community of us, you know, leading each other, helping each other out, you know, and then also knowing that we play off each other where, I'm doing something a little different than them. They're doing something a little different than me. And so we always, we, we always try to have a bunch of different options. So when somebody comes into town, if I know, and I talk to my staff about this, we may not be the place for everyone, but there should be a place in town for them because we have a lot of, a, a lot of nice restaurants. This is something I'm seeing more and more often. And I, I love to see it in, in, in a town like this. That's all I've got, Nick. Thanks very much. Thank you, Lou. It was a pleasure. I'm going to have to come over more often. All right. Nick's family are Lemko, by the way, a small but proud group from the Polish-Ukrainian borderlands with a strong cultural identification with lumbering. So it's not just a Lockhaven as a lumber town source for the Broken Axe's name, it's a family connection as well. That's the Lockhaven episode. There are other bars, other places in Lockhaven, and I really wanted to get to that Piper Museum, but they'll have to wait for another episode. And maybe, by then, Lockhaven will no longer be the biggest town without a brewery. That's the show. Thanks to Nick, Sean, and Shane for the interviews. Thanks to Charlie Snyder for making the introductions and for introducing himself so many years ago. And thanks to Jared for all his advice. You can find pictures of most of these places on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. Stag is now available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please subscribe to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, please take a moment and drop a rating or review. Thanks! Remember, you can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. This episode was really about Altoona. I just changed the names. The next episode will be about CSAs, community-supported agriculture endeavors, and I do hope it's out in time for you to get the encouragement to sign up for one. We're doing it again this year, and looking forward to the crunchy, juicy, tasty bounty every week. And I'll be doing some visits in Johnstown this weekend to get ready for an episode sometime after that. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Lou Bryson on Seen Through a Glass from the smack-dab center of the Keystone State. Thank you.